Today we're going to be continuing in our study on the book of Ruth, and in this study today, we're going to learn about a scheme. We're going to learn about a little bit of a scheme that happens in the book of Ruth. And as I was studying for this chapter, as I was studying for today, I began to think of different schemes that I was involved in, in my own life. Some won't make the cut today. But I was remembering uh, one that my wife and I came up with. And uh, what happened was, is that my wife's friend, Stephanie, was having a really hard day. She was having a really tough season. My wife really just wanted to encourage her. So we came up with this elaborate plan that we would go late at night and go and hang uh, pictures and posters and notes all over her glass sliding doors next to her patio. It was a great idea. And then we came up with all these elaborate schemes for it. We started to go and we started to drive and what we, what we decided to do is that we would uh, make sure that we would go into the development quietly, that we would turn off any music that we were listening on, the radio would come off. When we turned on her block, the lights would turn off, we would turn off our headlights, we would just coast to the driveway. We wouldn't turn off the car because we needed a quick getaway. And so we left the car running and we got out under the cover of darkness and we started to go into the house and then my mind starts to wander and starts to think of all the things that could go wrong. And I start to think, I was like, what happens if they suddenly wake up and they catch us? That would ruin everything. Then I think to myself, but what happens if the cops come? Because what am I going to say at that time? I'm going to say, like, yes, technically this is vandalism, but it's for a good cause. And then I think to myself, even worse than the cops, what happens if Stephanie's husband, Rob, gets thirsty? and comes down to get a drink of water in his boxers. There's no turning back from that. Our friendship's never going to be the same after that. All of these thoughts went through my head, and all of these things, and, and our hearts were pounding, and we, we, we got the signs up, under, and we got into the car, and we drove away, and we were giggling and laughing, and our hearts were pounding. And, and I wanted to tell you this story because there was so much emotion in that moment. And I can tell you the story, and there's no way that you can fully capture that emotion. There's no way you can fully understand what my wife and I were feeling at that moment as we were holding hands and laughing the whole way home. There's a scheme in the story we're going to read, and there is a ton of emotion. There's a ton of emotion in this story. And we can only get a glimpse of it today. And so I ask you to kind of get your minds and your hearts ready to kind of just step into what it might feel like to actually experience the story that we're going to talk about in Ruth chapter 3. You see, today, we're going to be continuing to study the book of Ruth. Now, I was reading a commentator named Sinclair Ferguson, and, and one of the things he said about the book of Ruth is, is that it's one of the greatest short stories of all time. And I actually have to agree with him. I think the story of Ruth is amazing. It's an amazing story. And what we have to remember is what's going on so far is that the book of Ruth occurs during the time of the Judges. And we studied a few Judges in our series previously. And what happens in the book of Judges is that there's this cycle that happens. The people turn away from God. God allows them to go through all these trials. And then he sends this miraculous deliverer in the form of a judge. 
And there's all these miracles that happen in the book of Judges. There's all these crazy things. There's a guy named Samson who's so strong, he, he pushes these pillars and tears down a whole temple. There's, there's all sorts of crazy things that happen in the book of Judges that are miraculous. Ruth is different. Ruth is just an ordinary story. It's an ordinary story about ordinary people. It's a story about Naomi who went and went to a city uh, named Moab because of a, a famine. She goes to uh, the place of Moab. And while she's there, her husband and her two sons die. She's left a widow in the company of her two daughters-in-law, who are also widows. One of them decides to go back to her family. The other, Ruth, decides to go back with Naomi to her hometown of Bethlehem. Naomi comes back to Bethlehem, and she's bitter. And she is, she is heartbroken. And, and, and they are, are on difficult times, and they have nothing. It is a horrible situation. And so what Ruth decides to do is, she tells Naomi, we have to eat. We have to eat. So she goes and she does something called gleaning, where she's walking behind those who are harvesting the grain, and she just picks up what's left over. And it just so happens, and this is said over and over in the book of Ruth, it just so happens that Ruth goes into the field of a man named Boaz. And Boaz is a good guy. He loves God, but not only is he a good guy, he also He's a, a relative of Naomi's and her family. And so as such, he's a redeemer for her family. And so we get through all that, and we're halfway through the story, and then we get to chapter 3, where we get this climax, and everything starts to come into place. So today we're going to look at Ruth chapter 3, and we're going to look at a scheme, we're going to look at a proposal, and we're going to look at a response. A scheme, a proposal, and a response. Turn to Ruth chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 1. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Naomi's scheming. She's scheming. She has a plan. This is Naomi's scheme that is coming up. But did you notice the words that Naomi used? She says, my daughter, I must. I must. Naomi's scheme is dependent on her. Naomi's scheme is dependent on how well she does the scheme. Did you catch that? Naomi's scheme isn't dependent on God. Naomi's scheme is focused on herself. It's focused on herself. And when I read that, I began to think to myself, of how many times I do that? Because remember what the situation is here. Naomi and Ruth are widows. This is a difficult situation. They have financial hardships. There's all sorts of stuff going on. And they need something to come in the way to fix this. And so Naomi schemes because she desires to fix it herself. 
And I think all the time about how I go through something, I go through some difficulty, and I have some sort of temporary amnesia, and I decide to fix something myself, and I create my own schemes, or I create my own plans, and I try to do all these things to fix it. And it's okay to make plans. It's okay to plan ahead. It's not okay to plan apart from God. It's not okay to plan apart from God. You know, it doesn't say in the Bible that Naomi didn't consult God. It doesn't say in the Bible that Naomi doesn't consult God. But it also doesn't say that Naomi did. Oftentimes, when you read the Bible, when people are consulting with God, the Bible, the narrator, the biblical narrative, goes out of its way to tell you that they consulted God first. Naomi comes up with a scheme, but the silence of her consulting with God is really, really loud. And let's look at what Naomi's plan is, okay? Can we look at Naomi's plan for a second? Naomi's plan is very dangerous. It's very dangerous. Let's first look at what she does on the surface. She says, Ruth, go and take a bath. Go and take a bath. Go put on some perfume." And go get your best outfit and put it on. What's happening is, Naomi is not giving Ruth fashion advice. That's not what's happening. She's not giving Ruth fashion advice. In that time, when you were a widow, you would wear certain clothes that would declare to those around you that you were in grieving, that you were in mourning. And so when she tells Ruth to change her outfit, what she's telling Ruth to do is to take off her clothes of the morning, to take off her clothes of being a widow. And when Ruth puts on this new outfit, what she's doing is proclaiming to those around her that she is ready for marriage, that she is ready to get married again. Naomi is trying to be a matchmaker. And so she sends Ruth on this dangerous scheme. And so Ruth gets changed, and then she tells Ruth, she says, go, go, in the middle of the night to a place where there's a lot of male workers who are drinking. And then stand there and wait until you see Boaz lie down and then go and uncover his feet and lie down next to him. This is where translation is actually not good. Actually, it's really more like uncover his legs. There's a tension of physical intimacy in Naomi's instruction. And we see this in the story, and it's intentionally put in there. It's put in there so that you kind of are, are hearing the story, you're reading the story, and you're like, wait, what? Wait, what? What's going on? What's Naomi asking her to do? That's not a good idea. Naomi, what are you doing? And your heart starts to beat because like, Ruth, is she going to be okay? What's going on here? Because there's a lot of dangers in this plan. She could have gone, Ruth could have gone there, and one of the men who were working could have harmed her. She could have gone, and she could have gone next to, to Boaz. And again, this is, is dangerous to Boaz as well, because he has a good reputation, and this could actually damage it. He could get next to Boaz, Boaz is like, whoa, get away. What are you doing? Get away from me. And he could have scorned her. Even worse, he could have taken advantage of Ruth in that 
moment and actually sent her away in the morning. And actually, because she was still a widow and had not gone through the certain ceremonies and traditional rites, he could have actually accused her of adultery. And she could have been stoned. There is so much danger that is in this plan that Naomi schemes. And what does Ruth do? Ruth humbly submits to her mother-in-law and braves the dangers. Let's go back into the Bible. Verse 7. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. I have friends who don't do fantasy football, but they do fantasy bachelorettes. I don't even understand how that works. I've never seen the show, but I don't, under, like, I don't understand what that is. And the show's kind of crazy, but if you've ever seen the show, what you would understand is that what happened in Ruth chapter 3 in this moment that we just read is that Ruth just gave Boaz the rose. Ruth just proposed. She just proposed. This was a marriage proposal. This was Ruth's proposal to Boaz. And remember what's going on. She's in a very dangerous spot. She's in a very vulnerable position. And what does she do? She reminds Boaz of two things. The first thing she reminds Boaz is this. She reminds Boaz of something that he said in chapter 2, in verse 12. Boaz speaks a blessing over Ruth. And he talks about how he tells Ruth that she will be under the Lord's wings. In talking about this under the Lord's garment, what Ruth is telling Boaz is, you fulfill the blessing that you just spoke over me. You be the answer to that blessing. And when she says, spread the corner of your garment over me, she is speaking directly to a marriage image. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8, we read of how God has this covenant of marriage with his people Israel. And this image of spreading the corner of his garment over Israel is given as this image of marriage. Ruth is proposing. But she doesn't just propose, she doesn't just remind him of the blessing by saying this, she also reminds him of his responsibility. He is a kinsman redeemer. He is a guardian redeemer. In those days, there were laws. In those days, there were customs. And what would happen is, if a man married a woman and would die before she would have a child, a close relative was supposed to come and be the redeemer, was supposed to step in and provide a son for that woman so that the lineage could continue, that that name of that deceased person could continue. And this was to preserve God's covenant with his people. And she's reminding Boaz, you are responsible. You are a kinsman redeemer. But here's the crazy part. Ruth doesn't have to follow that custom. Ruth doesn't have to follow that law because she's not an Israelite. She's a Moabite. And that doesn't go unnoticed by Boaz. Boaz sees this and he's like, 
you are filled with kindness and love. And he praises her. And he praises her because what he says, he realizes that Ruth is a catch. She's apparently good looking. She's, she's got a noble heart. She's a hard worker. I mean, Boaz is attracted to Ruth and he says, you could have gone with someone younger. You could have gone with someone younger who was poor. You could have gone with someone younger who was richer. You could have had your pick of the catch. And yet you come to me and you choose, you choose to honor the family of Naomi. You choose to honor the lineage of your dead husband. You choose to participate in this. This floors Boaz. This floors Boaz. And Boaz sees all of what she's doing. He sees Ruth's heart and he celebrates her. It's it's almost like, you know what it's like? It's like if Boaz and Ruth were in middle school and Ruth passed him a note, Boaz opens it up and it says, Do you like me? Check yes or no. And Boaz is real quick. He's like, Oh, yeah. Yep. Because he likes Ruth. And the one who he's so impressed with, the one who he so has such a high rep, uh, regard for, is the one who brings a proposal to him. So what's Boaz's response? Will he say yes? What will Boaz do? Well, let's go back into the Bible. Start at verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed a bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So Naomi develops this scheme. And it's a dangerous scheme. It's a difficult scheme. There's a lot of problems with this scheme. Ruth humbly listens to her mother-in-law. And she goes and makes a brave proposal. She proposes to Boaz. And what is Boaz's response? His response begins with gratitude and admiration. With gratitude and admiration. 
In fact, if you look at verse 11, when he says that Ruth has a reputation of being a woman of noble character, the language of that phrase is actually very similar to a proverb. Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is all about a wife of noble character. Now that was written after Ruth and Boaz lived, but the phrase is still communicating the same admiration, the same respect. Boaz is saying that Ruth is the noblest woman that you could possibly think of. He's making this this amazing compliment towards her. And then what does Boaz do after that? He protects both his integrity and her integrity. He doesn't do anything to her. But he protects her integrity and protects his integrity. What he does is, he says, I will do what you ask. Now stay here for the night. He doesn't send her out into the night where she could get hurt. But he does say, get up early in the morning. Get up early in the morning before anyone wakes up so that no one knows that there was a woman here. He preserves her name. He preserves her integrity. And then what does he do? He says, don't go home empty-handed. Don't go to Naomi without some food. Because I'll never hear the end of it. He says, don't go to Naomi without some food. And he gives her six things of barley. It's interesting if you note the contrast between Ruth and Naomi. Naomi enters the story full, but returns to Bethlehem completely empty. Each time Ruth goes and meets Boaz, she enters into that part of the story empty, and she leaves completely full. There is this story of abundant grace, abundant grace that happens in the book of Ruth. But what else happens? What else happens in Boaz's response? Well, a monkey wrench is revealed. Something that can mess up everything. He reveals that he's not the closest relative. He's actually not the one who has first right to redeem Ruth. There's a closer relative. There's a closer relative. Now here's where this is really interesting. Naomi could scheme all she wants. She could get the nicest outfit for Ruth. She could get the nicest perfume. She could come up with the most elaborate plans. Ruth can be very humble and very brave and go and do this proposal. She can go out and do that. Boaz can respond with integrity. He can respond with kindness. None of them control the outcome. None of them control the outcome. There's a scheme, there's a proposal, and there's a response. And none of them control the outcome. None of them can actually dictate what happens. You know who controls the outcome? No, not the other close relative. God controls the outcome. God controls the outcome. And that's the whole point of this story. Over and over, God is expressing his faithfulness. His faithfulness. And what's amazing about this story is that God expresses his faithfulness even in the mundane struggles of life. This isn't like the book of Judges, where there are these miraculous signs. This is just an ordinary story. 
Yeah, there's tragedy in it. There's heartache. And there's beauty as well. But it's an ordinary story. And God is still in charge in the midst of the ordinary. Yes, God is in charge in the supernatural. God is in charge of the miraculous. God is faithful in those times. And God is faithful in the ordinary of life as well. But if you read the story, and if you've lived an ordinary life, you understand that sometimes ordinary is hard. Sometimes ordinary is hard. Sometimes in the ordinary, life seems to be out of control. Sometimes in the ordinary, there are financial issues. Or sometimes in the ordinary, there are work issues. Or sometimes in the ordinary, one of your children are hurting. Sometimes in the ordinary, there is pain. God is faithful in the ordinary. God is faithful in the miraculous. God is faithful in the supernatural. God is faithful in the spectacular. But God is faithful in the ordinary. And so if you are going through something in the ordinary that is just a little bit difficult, I need you to understand that God is faithful and He is in charge. God is still God, even in the ordinary. And that's some of the beauty of the gospel. You see, Jesus steps into the ordinary. Jesus steps into our ordinary. The extraordinary becomes ordinary in order to claim us back. You see, God doesn't scheme, but he does plan. And from the beginning, throughout the Old Testament, what you read is God's plan to send a Redeemer. To send a Redeemer. And the Redeemer responds, Jesus. He steps into the ordinary. He lives an ordinary life, but a perfect life. He dies a death that was meant for us in order to redeem us in order that he might give us a proposal. Jesus, the promised plan, the Redeemer who responds, responds by giving us a proposal. See, God did everything to claim us back because of his love for us. And all he desires in return is for us to love him back. So Jesus gives us a proposal. He comes into the ordinary and is our Redeemer. And his ordinary is this. His proposal is this. Do you love me? Jesus, check yes or no. It's only two boxes. You have to check one. His hope today is that you check yes. 
story of Ruth is a love story. And it gives us a glimpse into the greatest love story of all. God's love for us and Jesus' proposal for you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. God, I ask you if there's anyone here who has not accepted that love. If there's anyone here who has not fully embraced that proposal, Lord, I ask you that you would tug at their heart right now and that you would make your love so clear to them. Lord, I ask you that you would just be with us this week, this day, throughout our lives, that we would begin to know of your love more and more, and that we would respond with hearts of gratitude and hearts filled with love for you. Impact our lives and the lives around us with the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name.